Go on, Henry, tell everyone what we're doing. So we're doing that grand old tradition of sitting on a coach, going down to London to go on a... See a football show? No. Football show? Football show. That's because we're outside Leeds Playhouse. Um, We're going down to a big pro-Palestinian solidarity demonstration in that London. So we're very sleepy. and 6.30 in the morning. Yeah. With a coach full of people, placards, banners, flags. I've got my flag. An excellent packed lunch. Do you know what my flag is? Um, A Palestinian flag. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) Do you think other people will have Palestinian flags? I think they might, you know. I think they might. So what's coming up on today's episode of the Vandal Factory podcast, Natalie? Well, we've had a chat with Seth from Fold, who are a... An ambient, angry, political band from Leeds. Talking about the industrial military complex. And their latest song, which is called Forever War. We've got an amazing, very exciting interview with the incredible Mark Thomas. Comedian, actor, writer. Activist. Chatter. Yeah. This is good. And uh, we'll play a couple of banging songs. Absolutely. And we'll give you some updates from the protest when we're a little bit more awake. Yeah. We've had more tea and coffee inside Ooh. us. Yeah. And warmed up a little bit. And a bit. little nap. Little nap. Just a little nap. Just a little nap. Okay. Shall we, should, should we go into the Fold interview? No. Okay. Enjoy Fold. Bye. Hello. Welcome to the podcast, Seth. Mauschwitz, who is from Fold. We first played a Fold track, or Henry first played a Fold track, back on episode 15, which was our saddest episode, I think, Yeah. Um, called Defiantly Compassionate. Not because of Fold, that wasn't yeah. why it was sad. But um, <laughs> why don't you yeah, tell us, t- how, how did yeah. how did Fold come to be? Ooh, I, I just wrote like a 3,000-word interview I just read past, that out. Past week. I was because I was like, oh, I'm going to end up regurgitating a lot. Of it. It's it. I think I get a little verbose. I am neurodivergent. I don't have a diagnosis, but my both my kids have autism diagnoses, and um, everyone I know is neurodivergent. I don't know what neurotypical people are actually like. I, I I've presumed them. that they all live down south because <laughs> I've never in, met them. <laughs> it ties in. I guess it kind of ties into my my history. Um, a lot of things went into it. I started it in around 2011 um, ish. Like it, it, the idea came about after my son was born, which was in London in 2008. And I suddenly, like, I'm, I hadn't been doing music all that much around that time. I've always done music, but you know, when you kids are born and trying to get stuff together in London is is hard going. But I had even less time, so I was like, I gotta figure out a way to combine all this kind of political stuff I'm trying to do. And it's it's not like, I don't want to be a politician. I don't want to, but I feel, I just feel like I have a responsibility to, to do something to, to help, to, to make the world change for the better in, in some small way. And my only real talent is music. So it's kind of putting the two together. It was, it was a, you know, born out of time constraints, really, I suppose. Um, and, I had already dabbled with, so I, I mean, I would describe Fold, I've, after 12 years, you'd think I'd finally be able to kind of describe it in one sentence. So 
we define our role as amplifying humanitarian perspectives and critical reflections on today's world. That's as succinct as I can put it, but it's, um, I think it is in spirit, a collective. I mean, it's, it's really me. Like I'm, I'm kind of driving it if you like, but we bring lots and lots and lots of people. That's why it's called fold. It's kind of into the, you know, Come um fold like it oh yeah. i thought it was like just come and fold into the gang no, that, no one has ever said that <laughs> <laughs> it does have negative connotations too because you know this is, like when you fold i fold i give up you know which, which uh, is yeah. unfortunate but you know it's that makes it kind of three-dimensional we're all we're all human um yeah but, but let's see so um yeah so that's that's the kind of the role and yeah bringing as many people in to, to provide, you know, a really wide range of perspectives. I was listening to your track, To Be Hated and Thus Corrected, and it repeats that phrase. It, it really makes you listen and listen again and listen again. And it was felt like a meditation. <laughs> I believe that anger can be created. scared of the word hatred either because I believe that there are things in this world to be hated and thus corrected, to be hated and thus corrected. You, you use the phrase ambient anger, yeah. which I think beautiful way to describe it. If you're going to win people over, if you're going to ask people to, to reflect on these things, you have you have to try different things. It can't just be the same, you know, nobody wants a, a whole album of being beaten over the head. Mm. It's these are difficult subjects that we're tackling. And it's it's about experimenting with just different ways to see what actually does work. But thinking in terms of like an album or um, dealing with different subjects in different ways, you, yeah, it just it ends up being, um, I guess, partly where I'm at at the time and where we're at when we're when we're writing and recording. It's it's in terms of the writing, it's mostly me, <laughs> but it's always informed by by you know us when we get together. We start we talk about stuff, and you know a lot of those discussions inform the approach, and um, it's kind of where we're all at in our in our lives as well. I'm naturally not like a a, a particularly angry or aggressive person. I'm really more more you know kind of I need to self soothe. I need I need calm. I need you know. Um, yeah, I have oversensitivities in various senses, uh, you know, sound particularly, which is why music affects me so much. The sense, the spiky sensory profile, it's the typical neuro, neurodivergent thing. Yeah, it's a way of when I'm making that music, it's, if it if it comes out really calm, chances are it's because I need to <laughs> I need something to help me calm down. So I'm channeling that in a in a weird way. Yeah, like with the with the new single, that 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 was just a it was really urgent that we that we responded in some way okay so, so your about, your new single please please tell us about nice forever war yeah so uh yeah so i've i made like an 18 minute video like trying to explain because these are these are really big big issues and these are hot topics and if you put a foot wrong you know you're it, there's a big risk in addressing this at all full stop now I do have I do have a slight advantage there. Uh, it's, I don't know if advantage is quite the right word, but because half of my extended family were wiped out in the Holocaust, 
So I'm, I'm half Jewish, if you like. And that, so that was my father's side of the family, both his mother and father, Polish and Belarusian, all wiped out. And it was only really my grandfather. And then later we found like one family member who'd survived the, the occupation of Poland. So, you know, it definitely inherited ancestral trauma, intergen intergenerational trauma. And that affected me from, from an early age, like being aware of, of the horrors of war and, and carrying around a certain amount of, of grief and anguish. And I've known about the situation in Palestine for, for like, I don't know, at least two decades, at least two, de like known extensively about it. There's no question in my mind that, you know, this is the Israeli apartheid regime is, is one of one of the most awful oppressors we've ever seen. And they're the only one, and this is, I'm quoting uh, the J Israeli journalist Gideon Levy, this is the only oppressor we know of that's positioned itself as well as the victim. It is, that's exactly how Israel positions itself, which is pretty unusual, especially for an occupation that's been going on for 70 years. Um, but, you know, there's still like, if you go on, on social media, you go and look at mainstream media now, they're still, they're still clinging on to this, to this idea you know, even across all of the main, you know, national press still painting this narrative and, and just cannot break free of it. And I think this this is the first time that I've ever seen in my life where it really it's at that such a huge amount of cognitive dissonance taking place right in front of you and a massive backlash. You know, I've, n I've never seen anything on this scale. And I it's it's like the, the the genocide is awful and what's happening is, is deplorable. But if you're going to pull out any kind of a silver lining, it's that this confrontation is finally taking place. And it's it's it was bound to explode somewhere. And I guess this is this is like an opportunity. looking at the, the military industrial complex so taking taking a step back you know we're it's hard not to to get sucked into the outrage cycle with these things so i had to take a moment and just go okay this is happening nobody wants this to happen no nobody apparently wants this to happen other than the israeli state and the us and the uk governments it would seem why when the, the vast majority of people do not want this to be occurring, why the hell is it still happening? It doesn't even look good for, well, okay, it's terrible for Jewish people across the world because we're Jewish people are conflated with Israel, which is wrong. You know, obviously it's, it's it could be the end of Palestine. It's, Biden's not going to get reelected off the back of this. People are angry. He's lost people that the Democrats have never lost before. He's like, it's, it's just, it's so bad. It's not good. 
by any sane metric for any of the the parties involved apart from one well apart from one in particular which is the military industrial complex they're making money hand over fist off of this as as they are from the ukraine war from from all wars that are happening currently since since i mean Eisenhower warned about this in, in 1961. Through through the first and second world wars, we've you know seen the development of what we. I don't know if people are too familiar with this term, but it's the relationship between defense contractors, the Pentagon, and politicians. Basically, it's that really really close relationship. Eisenhower warned basically that if you let this power that that this thing has um, begun to develop, if you left it unchecked, they would eventually produce vast unnecessary amounts of arms and skew policy to sell them <laughs> and that's exactly what's happening and it's not it to me is it's it's emblematic of the entire system that we live in it's not just the military industrial complex this is what's happening with all of the industrial complexes it's big pharma it's the fossil fuel industry we've seen th so this is the veil being lifted where we're, we see this expression finally coming to light in these places and that's that's the bit where i really want to point to that and go look this is absent absent from the mainstream discourse nobody's actually saying that the military industrial complex is is generating huge profits from this nobody's saying it i mean of course in the, in the protest circles they're saying it but you don't see that written anywhere in the guardian or maybe tucked away on a on a you know on a back page so but that's for me like or for fold rather we couldn't, it's very difficult to to make a song and, and say the word Israel and say the word Palestine and expect to get any kind of coverage, to get any kind of traction. It would just be thrown right out in the bin. You know, if we started naming names, countries, politic, even political parties, that we, we do try to stay away from that because it's just too toxic. It's too toxic. So instead we named defense companies <laughs> because quite frankly, I've had enough. I've had enough. It's just it, somebody needs to say it. There's also a normalization of that. It's just yeah. business, kid. That's the yeah. phrase that keeps coming to mind in in my head. That there's there's Same. something that like, but it doesn't count if it's about money. And it, yeah. and it's across political parties and history. It's not it's not who's in power in the government. It's who's profiting from the arms trade. Mm -hmm. Indeed, yes. And they've they've become so so powerful, the military industrial complex, the, the fossil fuel industry, big pharma. They all are lobbying mm. all the time, and they're they're they are skewing policy. I'd like to think I'm a little bit clued up, but I've learned the names of so many arms manufacturers in the last few months who have yeah. been supplying weapons to the state of Israel, mm. and and now I'm like, okay, they're in um, they're near Halifax, right? Mm. Teledyne uh, uh, in Yorkshire on my doorstep um yep. palantir have have got a contracts within the nhs and so you know it's all the network isn't it that health workers are saying hey we don't actually want to work with a company that are causing a genocide in the, on in the middle east that are involved in our health service so you know we'll unionize and organize mm -hmm. and campaign against it we are being killed by people who don't feel that is the problem forever 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 War. profits for the military industrial complex for the executives at Lockheed Martin
Seth, could you tell us about the the voice in Forever War? So, um, that 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 where is it sampled from? Who who's who's is it? Okay, the, it's it's kind of a fun one. I mean, um, there's there's like there's like thirty voices in the song, but you wouldn't know it because they're mostly just saying the words "forever in war." But it, wow. there's loads of different people saying those words. Some sometimes together, sometimes apart. But the main one, the the core narrative, if you like, is voiced by um, Mint Press CEO Manar Adley. I distilled the narrative in a particular way, but it's still part of the original narrative, if you like. I'm not about twisting words or anything. Yeah, yeah. She runs this this uh, news company called Mint Press, um, who and and she just was one of. I was monitoring all the responses across across the whole kind of media spectrum, and and that one video. It was so concise in its critique of of the whole the whole situation, and particularly of the military industrial complex. I was like, oh wow, okay. So I sent it round to the to the other guys, and they were all like, ah, that, that's on point. We should we should definitely do something with that. I also really liked Gideon Levy because he, being an Israeli journalist, he's one of the few voices coming out of Israel to really hit the nail on the head every single time. And what does a rare fold live gig look like? The, yeah, the gigs are. Um, they're incredibly fun. They're also incredibly stressful. Um, it's, I'm kind of this, I don't know. I've got three MIDI controllers. Uh, my setups over here can, could almost turn the computer to show you, but it's it's me like doing all this, you know, cause it's, it's drum, bass and guitar and I'm doing all the rest of this stuff. So it's uh, it's incredibly challenging to do to do a full hour of that wow but we love it you know it's it is great it's great crack it's great crack nice we love having it's just like having having malcolm x on stage with you it's like a seance it's this weird Mm. council of of living and dead voices all you know floating floating through the room Get it in the diary. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so thank you so much for chatting to us. Um, we'll we'll ask you the last question, which is if you'd like us to, to play a song on the podcast, what track do you want the listeners to hear? Yeah, I did think about this actually. Um it, it's gonna be War Pigs by Black Sabbath because that's that's the song that really that really influenced this song more than any other one. Um, I'm a huge Sabbath fan. They've been with me since I was a kid, like really little, you know, since I was about five, I think I've been listening to Sabbath. And War Pigs is like, the thing about Sabbath is that they, you know, they grew up in, in post-industrial Birmingham, uh, which was all bobbed during the war. And they, and they were really poor. They, you know, they were all working class lads and they, and they were working in factories. And and they, so they were surrounded by this, all this like metallic industry shit yeah. and and they were also dealing with um, trauma, you know. This they grew up in this in this horribly traumatic world, and so their music is really a lot of the time about processing trauma and challenging the narratives of power.
souls gathered in their masses Just like witches at black masses Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Oh, Lord, yeah. Surely it's we're off to protest we go. We are, we are off to protest. We're in that London. Hey, everything's big and, and expensive. And you just heard an interview by Seth from Fold, and who is an absolute pleasure to chat to. Yeah, like he knew, knows his stuff. Like, Absolutely, yeah. so articulate. 
Um, I've really noticed recently that I keep on saying absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I need to stop that. So while we were, were heading to the demo start point, and we were sort of reflecting on, well, Natalie used to live in London at drama school, and I've come along to demos before, and I'm like, oh, that's where we got kettled, and that's where the fascists were. Um, All yeah. right, Henry, you're not dead hard. Make yourself sound like you're dead hard. I am dead hard. Right. I am dead hard. Listen to the bells. The bells. Um, yeah, almost 100 days since uh, Israel's invasion of Gaza. If you haven't checked it out, we did a solidarity podcast special for Palestine where we spoke to Palestinian artists and activists. We can every every time um, there's a big national demo and we're sort of the coach has dropped us off about half an hour walk away from the start of a demo so there's I love that feeling in a big demo when the bus has dropped us off like half an hour away so we're all walking through the streets and of course it's London so there's thousands of people doing a thousand different things but there is also a sense of the people are gathering, they're coming, and you can kind of... You clock a flag, you yeah. see a badge, people are moving the same Someone direction. Someone wearing high-vis, and then in the distance you hear the drums are coming, the drums. The people are getting angry. Yeah. Let's go! <laughs> My name is Tamina Alaf. I am from the pro-Palestinian march group. We are currently selling our hoodies and our uh, stickers that we made, handmade ourselves from the graphic design to the printing work. We are here today because thousands of children have been dying for 75 years of occupation. We are extremely tired of seeing genocide take place all the time without people supporting and people taking care. At the end of the day, imagine if it was one of our children, what we would go through. And it's mostly about humanity at the end of the day. We believe in humanity. It's not about religion. It's about humanity. We are here to, we are here for the kids. We are here for the mothers. We are here for all the fathers and grandparents that have been going through this for so many years. We are here to stand up and our voices to be heard. We are a brand new generation, and it's very important for us and our children, our futures, to realize what side of history we are on, and we will always stand by humanity, no matter what race, religion, culture. It's about humanity. And what, what are the main messages on the sticker books that you're selling today? So the stickers are mostly to do with boycotting as boycotting has been a movement for many years to help spread awareness and, you know, hurt people's pockets at the end of the day. A lot of uh, what happens in war and, you know, um, political situations, it hurts their money. So we are here today to support the movement and help boycott. Our hoodies are made by us and designed by us and the money goes towards uh, families in Palestine that we have connections with, obviously myself, We've got family there. A lot of the people that work with us and our team, they have family in Lebanon, Yemen, everywhere. So the money goes straight there and it goes to the aid kits. And, and um, if anyone wanted to check out your work and see is there anywhere they can go to find it, find you? Uh, yeah, uh, there is. Let me just get the Instagram. Yeah. Uh, what's that one no? Instagram page? Uh, Gaza Activists. Gaza Activists. Gaza Activists. Activists, thank you so much, and thanks for the stickers. Have a good march. Hope it goes well.
just past St Paul's and the shadow of St Paul's maybe halfway through the march yeah how are you doing our voice our voice is maybe a little bit croakier than when we started uh, yeah I'm good I'm good it's I'm flagging a little bit it's just the fatigue is starting to kick in a little bit but it's I'm all quite, right we're, it's fun we've had I'm some fun passing around a megaphone to different people and just like Again, lots sharing of children yeah. lots of young girls doing an amazing job with the microphone yeah. so good I and there's them. so many different you know I've seen Welsh flags Actions. Um, Celtic we walked with the Celtics for a, yeah, for a, yeah. we started with the Celtics in between, we were wedged in between the Celtics and the queers for Palestine yeah. which I was like oh what a good gang yeah. <laughs> Banners, uh, footballers for Palestine, footballers against apartheid. Um, so I think it's time for us to take a little breather from the demo and do another little interview. Yeah, with a very special guest, right? Yeah. So we spoke to our next guest, Mark Thomas, uh, months ago when he was touring his show England and Son in the foyer of York Theatre Royal. Mark is a comedian who started in the red hot heat of 1980s political comedy and he's a he's a good egg he's a good a, egg a very funny man a very smart man and this show um england and sun is not a stand-up comedy show or or um an, a political activist show which is what you might come to expect from mark thomas it is a fantastic piece of theater we were blown away by it. I would say it's one of the best pieces of theatre I've seen in years. Theatre that absolutely punches your gut. Um, oh, we're passing McDonald's. Boo! McDonald's have been supporting the Israeli apartheid. Um, so me and Natalie are sat here in York Theatre Royal's um, lovely 1960s reception area and we're joined by Mark Thomas. Hello. Hello. How are you doing, Mark? I'm good, thank you very much. So you're here doing England and Son, uh, which is, it's, it's, not, it's a solo show, but it's not you being Mark Thomas. It's you doing a play. Yeah. What's that about? What's going on there? I don't know. I think the thing is, I've reached that point. I'm 60. I just don't care about a career. I had one, and I'm. It wasn't. I couldn't really care about it now. Do you know what I mean? It's like I used to care about. Oh, would it be good to get into anything? Would it be good to do a radio thing? And now I just sort of think, oh, I'm as interested in them as they are in me. I just don't care. So I kind of like the idea that we should use that creative bit in our descriptor that we're creative artists, which means. 
you know, trying out different things, doing different things, mucking about, finding new ways of doing things and challenging yourself. There's pointless sort of saying, I'm a creative artist and then doing the same thing you always do. I think that's the worst aspect of stand-up is when you first start getting good at it, people come along and go, oh, that's great, I really like that, I want to see more, but it needs to be the same, but it needs to be different. And you go, well, do you want it? it, uh." And there's the pressure of things like Edinburgh Fringe and the tour of, it's almost like an album cycle of like, what's the next thing? Yeah, that's a good, but in, in some ways that's a good discipline. Do you know what I mean? Why, you know, you need to have a kind of like, this is what I have to do. I have to meet this moment in time I have to meet this deadline I have to get it done I'm not happy you know I'm not worried about that I quite like a work ethic I quite like the fact you go out and get work done you know people who keep the same material or you know look people aren't going to hand you stuff do you know what I mean so I'm quite a kind of get out there and create it Um, so this is great I love doing the show it's written I met I met the playwright after seeing his previous play I came out of the um, of of the roundabout theatre in Summerhall in Edinburgh during the festival, having seen the political history of Smack and Crack, and I turned to my mate and went, "That was amazing." And this voice behind me went, "I wrote that." <laughs> so um, that's how I met Ed, and we just became mates. I really love him. I I, I properly love him. He's a amazing, wonderful human being. His life is far more interesting than other playwrights I've met he's a fascinating human being he's deeply kind um, and I think that that's a you know a, that yeah I like that and so Ed and I started we always wanted to do stuff together we always thought it would be really great to do something together Ed started working well you'll see in the show Ed started um, Ed, Ed was in prison for three and a half years for drug related offences and he's uh, a recovering addict in, in 10 years clean and I'm seven years sober. So one of the things we do together is do workshops with addicts in recovery and it's all about, well, he teaches story, t- he teaches um, script writing and he, creative writing and um, filmmaking and I do storytelling and stand-up and I completely love these Session, I completely love them. I mean, some people have gone on rather brilliantly to get into film school, but that's not the important thing. The important thing is giving people the tools with which they can keep clean and sober, or, or giving some people some tools. Um, you know, you can't solve anyone's recovery for them, but you can certainly provide some supportive navigate life isn't it it's just navigating relationships and talking and expressing and well, all that the fact that telling stories is an intrinsic part of recovery you know people tell their story over and over again it's a really important part of sharing your story you know if you've ever been to any meetings you'll know that there is a thing called the share where everyone you know we have a main person who gets up and tells their story and people take from it people take I know that bit I recognise this bit I'm, I'm and you know and it's actually a thing where we develop a way of just confronting our own shames our own guilt just uh, so you actually have a chance to be truthful um, and that's a really really important part of recovery so storytelling and that is a really just part of it but instead of going we want you to cathart 
we say we want you to take something from your life and say that my life is brilliant and we can create something beautiful out of something shit and, and I, I Shall we do it in Manchester? We do it at the Accepting Recovery Centre, which is in the shadow of Strange Ways, and we do it at the Phoenix Mill Community Rehab Centre. Uh, but we're doing stuff in Barlini Prison, and we're doing stuff in Milan, and we're in the prison there. Uh, so that's really exciting. And that, that kind of works. Sort of, I'll, just, I'll get a lot out of it. I'll get a lot. It's very meaningful for me. And so we, we started talking, me and Ed, about politics and upbringing and class and culture and all those sorts of things and Ed goes have you got an idea about what you want to do and I said I want you to write me a play about where the ghosts of all the migrants who've dried, died in the channel come and haunt Dover and uh, I thought that was a great idea <laughs> <laughs> the play isn't about that at all <laughs> but that was the starting point and so but a lot of the play is informed by my experience, Ed's experience, but the experience of Ed being in jail, the experience of working with people in addiction. Brilliant. So that's where it came from. I can't wait to see it. We're going to see it shortly. Uh, we don't want to take up too much of your time, oh, but no, on our... Uh, it's nice to see you. Uh, yeah, it's nice to see you too. One of our uh, things that we regularly talk about on the podcast is hope and anger. So instead of starting and saying, how are you today? It's how's your hope? How's your anger? And we talk about those things being the fuel that keeps you going. And you can be honest, because sometimes hope and anger is low. But how is your hope and how's your anger? Studs Terkel, who was the famous American um, journalist on the left uh, and popular historian, he had a book called Hope Dies Last, which is a lovely title. Um, hope's a funny thing. I always remember people saying, yo, is there any optimism in the West Bank? Uh, did a lot of work out there. And I always used to go, no, there's not much optimism, but there's a lot of resistance you know, people just like, we're not having this, we're not having this, you know, and it's a matter of dignity, it's a matter of... Um, Which I think is a form of hope, like, a, a, well, I don't know, maybe one could argue that there's a... to keep going, to, to, oh, to be resistant, to re a, a fuel that keeps... Resilience. Resilience. Resilience is, is absolutely remarkable. I remember talking to the bloke who's effectively the, the ambassador for Palestine, and he said, I have to accept that now is not that time, but it will be. You know, and actually, he's completely right. You have to know. You can't just go, and it's around the corner. Yeah. You know, there are some left groups that go, we just need one more person on the rally and we'll have a revolution. Just, oh, <laughs> I, I hate that conversation of like, well, after the revolution, I go, well, maybe we should talk about it now <laughs> rather than waiting for this thing that, you know... Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, no, I don't want that. I want stuff now. I don't want, and it's not, I'm not talking about material stuff. I'm talking about rights. I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about how we actually function as human beings, how we treat each other, how the state treats us, how those in power treat us. You know, these are important, practical living things. You can't, well, have the, after the revolution's everything perfect. Oh, take a running jump, you smug twat. The point about it is, is, is you can't, you know, this, after the revolution, everything will be great. Well, after the revolution, you'll start making sense, mate. The whole point is that actually this is an active struggle. It's called the struggle. That's what it is. It's not we're all sitting around going, well, when all of us are ready, we'll start. Are you revolting today? No, I thought I'd put my feet up. OK, well, maybe tomorrow. You know, it doesn't work like that. You know, I'm very much a believer in that. You, find, you struggle, you find space where you find it. 
you, you do what you can. Um, my mate Nick, who's a, an exemplary activist, said, you know, if you've only got room at the margins, fill the margins. You know, and, you know, make sure that you're ready. Make sure... I mean, it's funny. Things happen in, in cycles. Things happen in, in, in waves. You know, people drop out of things and then they pop into things do you know what I mean you, you see people who are in the stop the city back in the in the sort of 80s who dropped out who suddenly pop up in the poll tax movement do you know what I mean and it's kind of like you people come around and move around you know struggles come and go at the moment it's really important when you say how's your hope and how's your anger it depends what I, how recently I just looked at the headlines <laughs> you know I mean I think that the incredible thing now is obviously that we have got this um, I mean parliament's useless it's absolutely useless it's a bought democracy it's a it, it's denuded it's defanged it has nothing it has no representative to us um, it has you know a house of lords which is just pointless it has been pointless for years um, but a democracy whereby you can actually influence decisions through wealth so that literal billionaires can donate and literally dictate that you can rob people so i mean the, the tax system in this country has effectively been a way of taxing the poor to give to the rich and this is just absolutely outrageous you've only got to look at was it 14 billion quids worth of you know uh, corrupt um ppe deals and, and the failure to investigate it uh, uh, it is absolutely remarkable. You've got someone like Sunak who is prepared to sacrifice any sense of governance, science and, and decency for a green wedge to drive a wedge. You know, and you just think you vacuous, nasty, narcissistic, greedy, self-serving fuck. You know, this is these things. And the fact that Starmer, you know, wouldn't say boo to a goose. I want to produce gooses to see if he will fucking... Gooses, they're geese. I know that. But you know. Sorry, I didn't want to call you out there, Mark, on the, on the geeseness. Mate, I think we need to call each other out. We need to be honest about this. It's but, geese gate. Yeah, <laughs> that was lovely. Uh, I love an alliterative thing. Um, but I do think it's kind of like Starmer's pointless. Why on earth would you vote for him? You know, he's, he, this is him before he gets into power. And people are going, yeah, but wait till he gets into power. What's he going to do? Power. But name one example where people get into power and suddenly go, oh, I'm moving to the left. <laughs> you know, it just, Surprise, I tricked you all. Let's nationalise it. I, I, I don't have huge hope in Parliament. I think where we do have hope is where the fact that actually... Um, Communities are and have been really important. They're, they're the bedrock of any kind of uh, radical ideology. Um, it, it, you know, so unions, uh, lefties, anarchos, tr you know, the community groups, that's where you actually get the... And, and, and you can get it anywhere. I'm a big fan of AFC Wimbledon. AFC Wimbledon, as you may know, Wimbledon had our ground stolen from us. It was sold by the owners to property developers 20-odd years ago. Moved to Milton Keynes. FA approved the move. Franchise football. So local people said, we just want to build our own club. It's important to have someone to go on a Saturday, have a drink, see your mate, see some football, which is brilliant. But, of course, football is, is more than the football. It's always about community. 
you know, it's always about communities coming together. It's always about. So we have a food bank collection. We have a you know drive for computers for school. We do disability access. We do sort of like we have a sort of a gay and trans sort of like awareness. We have also we won community club of the year last year, uh, and I'm very very proud of that. I'm proud of the fact that actually you know this is about us as a community and 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 raising our game, you know. And I love the fact that when I go there, there's you know just all the old Herberts. I love it. Do you know what I mean? It's definitely a, a, a silver lining to come out of, of COVID of everyone. If you didn't already know how important your community was, you certainly did through those times yeah. and lockdown and, and your your community spaces being and not having access to them or your immediate community because that's where your prescriptions are coming from or whatever that and I think that I can certainly see that, that there's some um, longevity in that that's not been less. I think the communities in and around where we live in East Leeds... I mean, I have to say, I think one of the interesting things was people suddenly went, oh, the important people are the people who do the post and the railways yeah. and the buses and the deliveries. And, oh, OK, so, like, shop workers are important. And it's kind of, yeah. Um, and it's kind of like... I always love that old Robert Wyatt lyric, which is, you say you're self-sufficient, but you don't dig your own coal, right? And it's always like, I'm a self-made man, yeah? I got rich on hard work. Who's, you know? It reminds me of a, and we'll, we'll ask you for a song in a sec, Mark, so okay. I'll uh, have, have a think. Um, but uh, it reminds me of a Wingnut Dishwashers Union song who are an American folk punk, well, it's one person screaming and shouting. Right. And it's talking about what we said about revolution. It's the lyric, and the lyric is, they always ask me, who'll do the dishes after the revolution? We do, our, we do our own dishes now, we'll do our own dishes then. Like, well, who's, who's going to do all the jobs no one wants to do? Well, we're already doing them. So, yeah, doing so, so maybe you'd like to join them? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Mark, thank you so much for the chat. We know you've got to go and prepare. Your, in, get into the theatrical you space. You said a song. Can, you can suggest a song. You can sing no, it if you want. Oh, here we go. Okay. Just ask everyone to be quiet. Story. I'll tell you the story. What happened was I was working um, with my my tour tech who I love uh, who's called Teen and um, we were out in New Zealand for the festival we were part of the Fiat Festival there and as part of the greeting the, the, the Maori greeting ceremony takes place and the festival encourages this Maori greeting ceremony. so like all the elders come out all the community come out and um, you're led into this hall and it's amazing this woman singing like in Whale Rider and it's just brilliant and you're led out and the women walk up front and then all the men walk behind you and you walk behind and you're led into the hall and then the women all sit at the back and the men sit at the front and I'm like Ugh. and Teen is going well this isn't very good isn't it I've got to sit at the back and you've got to sit at the front and then they say one member of each company will come forward and make a speech about what they hope to do here why they're here and then sing a song because that's what you do in Maori culture you explain through singing and team was like I'm sitting at the back so I was sitting at the front and I came forward and I said oh we're doing this show it's about this this and this and this and um, and they said uh, and I said and this is the song that I'm going to sing you and it was a song that I've kind of like loved um, and me and my mates used to sing it. We used to work. We, I, I used to work in Cumbernauld for a short while with my mates. We were doing a show there, and um, and I fell in love with Dick Gochen, 
who who's been very poorly recently, but he's sort of like he's the McCoy. He's I mean he's people turn up to his gigs to watch the tunings. Do you know what I mean? He's one of these guys. And he did this song and it goes like this. Oh, come all you workers who toil night and day, who by hand or by brawn do on your pay, who for centuries long past have earned more than your bread, then fought for your country and counted your dead. In the factories and shipyards, the dockyards and mine, we have always been told to keep up with the times. But our skills are not wanted, they've streamlined the job, and we slide, roll and stop, watch our pride, they do rub. Ah, but when the sky darkens and the prospect is war, who's given the gun and pushed to the fore, expected to die for the land of Birth, why we've never owned one handful of earth. Mark, we've been we've coming up to twenty episodes of the podcast, and you're the first person to sing their song recommendation. And by hands and by brain To earn your pay who for centuries long past For no more than your bread Have bled for your countries And counted your dead in the factories and mills In the shipyards and mines We've often been told to keep up with the times For our skills are not needed They've streamlined the job And we slide, rule and stop Watch our blind, they'll rob die But when the sky darkens And the prospect is war Who's given a gun and then pushed to the fore And expected to die For the land of our birth Though we've never owned one handful of earth And you can see Mark's show, England and Son, at the Old Woolen on the 25th of January. Absolutely, please go and check it out. Recommend it. Great venue as well. Well, we've made it to Trafalgar Square. We managed to catch a little bit of Jeremy Corbyn's speech. People are starting to disappear off to get their coaches and buses and trains and and, and you've just listened to Mark Thomas he was the first guest to sing their own yeah, song recommendation yeah and there's Christina hi, hi Christina. no it's okay come on come on board Christina so Christina's one of the directors of the Leeds Palestinian Film Festival we've been having a little bit of a march together haven't we, have, haven't we? Well, yeah. well you say it's a march it's actually I found it was more of a dawdle because it was quite, I mean, in Leeds, we nip round, don't we? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a proper march, you get your stomp on. Oh, we were standing around a lot. Eee, these London folk don't need to, don't know how to stride out, do they? That's what they're always saying about Londoners. Half, they're ever so slow. Half a million people, that's the estimates. Par- I'd say it was, yeah, a good half a million, yeah. How have you found the vibe? Really good, some really good, um, you know, kids getting involved in the in the um, ch- chanting, 
Is that the right word? Um, so yeah, I am. Really I'm good. now committed to giving the megaphone to any small child. Yeah, like that's absolutely. it. Like let them just yeah. have a bash at it for a bit. For sure. Um, so we're going to play a little clip of another person we interviewed a little while ago called uh, Marina Riyad, who is a, a Palestinian based in Texas and a comedian. And the full interview is up on wherever you get your podcasts. So we just thought we'd play a little little clip just to wet your whistle. Go and check that out. I think because I've experienced this for my entire existence, like I grew up under occupation. I grew up in a refugee camp in Palestine. I mean, in Palestine, like every single person that you know has either died or for sure every person that you know, I'm sorry, killed, martyred, but every every other person that you know has been to the detention like camps. That's like the most normal part of life, right? Um, so for me, I feel like comedy has helped me heal a lot of these things and it's helping me face things because what I tend to do is hide and not have to like talk about it or deal with it. I have to like, because I'm an actress, the way I kind of see it is like storytelling. I pick my beginning and end and how I want to get, what are the things I want to talk about? So every show I do, every set I do is really curated to what message I want to send to them. Like what's my story today? So here we are, weary, battle-hardened, heading back to the coach. Pints. Yeah, we went for a cheeky pint, didn't we, Natalie? Yeah. Guess what I did in the toilets? <laughs> oh, I don't want to guess what you did in the toilets. Do you put a sticker I up? Put a, I put a Free Palestine sticker up, oh. mate. Um, and I like, I like this part of a massive demo as well, where again, we're like thrust out onto the streets of There's some of people London here at the bus stop with Palestinian flags. See, yeah. see the occasional badge or the occasional banner and... Everyone looking a bit well battle weary, yeah. um, whilst also walking past, you know, glitzy musical. Should we go and see the Six Savoy, the Musical? Savoy Theatre. Oh. No, I think we should go see Back to the Future the Musical, oh, yeah. which we've just okay. walked past. So, today hasn't been the only protest we've been on this month, the month uh, of January 2024. On a, a smaller protest, significantly smaller, but no less mighty. Yeah, half a th half a million people marching in London. At least seventy people outside Crossgates Library. Yeah. So, if you want to hear more about this demonstration and this campaign to save Crossgates Library from well selling closure cuts, uh, we've released a special episode all about that. So, check out more of the Vandal Factory podcast. Here's a little clip from that that episode, but go check out the full thing if you want to hear the voices of people standing up for their community. In a minute, we're going to ask you... I don't need a megaphone. Um, in a minute, we're going to ask everyone to get into little groups and have a go at making up your own chants. This is an opportunity to meet some people. One of the points in coming together is that we start talking to each other. We strengthen our network. Save our buildings, save our books. Selling the library really sucks. So save our library, save our books. Hello, I am at this um, protest, I think it's called, and uh, I am protesting for the library because I remember when I was like really, really little, like nearly baby little. I, I don't know how I can remember this, but um, I used to go with my daddy to like these 
dad clubs. And I remember we had such a fun time reading books and having loads of activities. And I just want other people, um, other children, to make memories too, like how I made memories of my daddy. When I was little, I came from a big family and we didn't have very much money and I was dead interested in electronics and radio and we couldn't afford the books I needed to feed that interest. But the reference section here was just full of what I needed and I was in every Saturday afternoon. Uh, we are the main character. We are the page turner. We are the opening chapter. We are the greatest story ever told. We are the greatest story ever told. We are the bow of the Sherwood outlaw. We are the dagger you see. Oh, do you want to We are the dagger that you see before you. We are the magic ring. We are the menace, the dodger. We are the minx. We are the greatest story ever told. We are the greatest story ever told. We're going to spill ink on the page. We're going to change the order of the chapters. We're not going to be a footnote. We are the greatest story ever told. We are the greatest story ever told. Give yourselves a round of applause. Hello, my little Vandal Raptors. You've just listened to Henry doing his own thing and smashing out an amazing poem for the people of Crossgates who are desperately trying to save their historic building so please go to save our library building a facebook group and show your support for that cause uh, you find me in a tired mood it's just me here at the moment nat and i'm in bed i don't think we've ever recorded a podcast from my bed but here we are it's monday morning after after the saturday protest and I'm a little bit broken. <laughs> uh, you will, if you've listened to our disability and art activism special, which was the last one we put out before uh, 2024, a last one in 2023, I should say, uh, you'll know that I have, I have fibromyalgia and hypermobility. So Big days like Saturday and going to London, getting up very early, standing around an awful lot, doing a, a very slow walk, kind of knocks it out of me. And uh, I was all right yesterday. I thought I got away with it. Weird thing about this chronic fatigue and pain related issues. Like they're really, they can be very unpredictable. Uh, I thought I was all right. Um, and then it's, I've woken up this morning feeling like I've been hit by a truck. So here we are. We started the podcast in a sleepy fashion and and we're finishing it in a sleepy fashion. And I'm I'm reflecting deeply on Saturday and the march and and protests. I think sometimes, you know, our mind and our bodies are intrinsically linked and if your body is feeling weak and sore and sometimes your mind can feel hopeless. So yeah, I am feeling a little bit deflated. I think if I'm really honest, I was hoping for more numbers on the streets. Uh, I thought perhaps with it being 100 days of um, Israel's brutal attacks in Gaza and the West Bank, I thought perhaps with, with South Africa taking 
Israel to the Hague, to the, the biggest court in the world. I thought that might bring an extra crowd of people out. But um, but nonetheless, it is, it is never a waste of time. Um, I met someone the other day who said protests are a waste of time. Uh, and or no, they said they said protests don't work. They never achieve their goals. And um, and in some regards, he's right. You know, often they don't achieve their goals. However, is that the point? Do they shift the compass ever so slightly? Can they impact the narrative? Can they Im- impact conversations? Can they show people that we are not going to accept what our leaders, our government are currently doing? Yes, I think they absolutely do. And so I just I just wanted to let you know like a few really practical things I've been thinking about that happened on on in London. Like firstly, you've got a long coach journey, so you, inevitably you end up chatting to a load of people. So Christina, who you heard on the podcast as the Palestinian Film Festival co-director, um, she's also really involved with Leeds' boycotting campaign. So she was telling me all about the campaign to boycott Teva or Teva T E V A Farmer, and I've got a letter here in front of me that um, you can give to your pharmacy. If you have regular prescriptions, as I do, you can hand this over to your pharmacy and say, please don't um, prescribe me any of these drugs by these people. There are often alternatives. So in it says, I write to ask you for support in not dispensing me medicines manufactured by Teva Pharmaceuticals. It profits from the illegal occupation of Palestine by trading with companies in illegal settlements and is, through its activities, providing work for those illegal settlers that have migrated from inside Israel into settlements based within the nation of Palestine. And so it goes on. She was also telling me about, um, we had a big conversation about arts organisations and how I can... And, and Henry as well, Vandal Factory, can reach out to our contacts in the arts um, and call for them to boycott HP and do so, you know, to sign a pledge and do so publicly, I think is really important. You know, you heard the um, young Palestinian woman who I bought the stickers off. Now, so that's a new artist that I've discovered. I've now followed her on Facebook. That little bit of money... She will get to cover her costs, but also um, she was collecting for Palestinian medical care. So there's a donation there. Those stickers I will use uh, to put about, <laughs> shall we say. So it's it's a way of stopping someone from ignoring this issue, right? So you're just keeping these ideas um, really powerful messages that are on these stickers, such as stop killing children, don't be complicit in genocide, those sorts of words and images. So that's that's a little like micro economy there and times that by 500,000 people, you know, that's that's a lot of activity that's happening. 
Um, we also came away, I was buzzing with ideas that we can bring back to the Leeds protests. So I'm now part of a wonderful group of people who've been organising the Saturday protests in Leeds City Centre uh, and they've been doing an amazing job. Um, but I think as as time unfortunately like keeps going on and on and on it's sort of inevitable that journalists the public or some people in the public kind of get used to this idea they come a bit deaf to it a bit blind to it so I've, I've got a lot of ideas about how we can make the Leeds protests a bit more performative have more theatrical moments in them and and just try and make them seem a bit different so we give journalists something to talk about and we keep catching people's eyes and reaching out to different groups of people keeping their attention on this issue constantly reminding people that they have skin in this game I think a lot of people have said to me that oh it's just so awful but I don't feel I can do anything it's so hard to know what to do um, so continually reminding people of what the actions are that you can take so that we are not complicit in in this genocide. Um, so just, just to leave you on some actions, I'll put something up on social media too, but if there's any artists in and around the Leeds area who want to get involved in some of the Saturday protests, get in touch with me quickly, now, do it. Don't worry about if you haven't done it before or you haven't, you know, whatever. You don't have to be an expert, you don't have to be anything. Just if you want to be involved and you want to do your bit and lend your skill set to telling this story, which is what us artists do best, then please get in touch particularly uh, musicians would be really useful, drummers would be really great, puppet makers. If anyone knows how to make a puppet bird, like a dove, that would be really awesome. Like singers, choirs, people, videographers, people who are really good at social media, like or any anything that you think, yeah, do you know what? I can I can spare a few hours on Saturday. And, and get in touch with me and, and we'll see what we can come up with because unfortunately, friends, I don't think this issue is going anywhere. So we need to keep going. We need to, as, as Mark Thomas said in this interview, we need to be resilient. And um, Lord knows the Palestinians are showing us the true meaning of resilience. So we owe it to them, if not for ourselves as well. Oh, and the final thing that I want to say is that um, when we were speaking to Seth from Fold, we forgot to mention that uh, Fold are performing at the Old Woolen on the 21st of March, uh, which is the same venue as Mark Thomas is performing his show. And that was just a coincidence. We didn't even realise that was happening when we set up the interview. So that is an awesome venue. And I've no doubt that if those two amazing things are going on there, there'll be loads more going on there. So you should definitely check out the old woolen for those that are in the um, Leeds area. Uh, oh, I think that's enough chattering from a, a 
brain foggy all night. Don't think I've been too inarticulate. Henry will disagree. Um, let's end with a banger. Hello, Raptors. Henry here, uh, just interrupting Natalie as per usual. Uh, so it turns out in her tired, poor old brain fog state that Natalie kept referring to the artist she wanted to play as Faye. And the artist's name is Ray, R-A-Y-E. But don't worry, I'm going to use all my editing skills to make it sound seamless so that she's referring to the correct artist. An absolute banger that I came across. Um, bit of goss for you here, guys. Um, on New Year's Eve, me and Henry and a couple of mates stayed in and sat on the sofa. Yeah, because we're wild and in our mid-30s, we ate cheese and watched Hoot and Annie. And whilst Hoot and Annie was playing, I fell in love. Like this woman came onto stage who was like the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life and then she started singing and honestly my my jaw was on the floor I couldn't I could, <laughs> couldn't get over how amazing she was I was like how how has this angel not been in my life before turns out now everyone's probably going to laugh at me now because probably she's really famous um but she is called Ray oh my god Goodness, what a voice. Amazing. And then Henry got very excited because he was like, she's got a song called Environmental Anxiety and that's what you have. And I was like, no, I don't. I'm dead inside. But that doesn't stop it being a banger. So everyone needs to go check out Ray. Fall in love like I have and listen to Environmental Anxiety. Here it is. I love you. Goodbye. How did you ever think? How did you ever think it was about to happen? You poison the waterfalls. Set fire to our rivers of hope. The end of us all, well, it was always bound to happen. Think why is a drunk man drunk? The system feels 
two kids in jail and the rich get rich and the rest get sunk Classist, sexist, racist, ableist, fascist, ages, homophobic Country leaders fucked our futures and they think we haven't noticed Forest burning, oil spills, melting ice and methane gas Toxic waste and plastic fish, we're digging holes to hide our trash We reach in all our songs but we drew borders across our lands A thousand years we've been at war, when the planet is dead we will all hold in an orderly fashion and leave behind any personal belongings um, that you don't need. <laughs> <laughs>